You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. <laughs> and you are now listening, as I said before, to the Minority Trailblazer the podcast. You know, it's season four. I'm having a good time. You already know, in this podcast, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation leaders. And I got a boss, a boss, a boss. I'm not bad. The energy is kind of crazy right now. I got a great, great, great guest on the line today. She is going to drop some jewels, some bombs, tell some great stories. And we talk about relationships, we talk about brand building, we talk about risk, we talk about getting laid off, we just go deep in this thing, man. Of course, we talk about some conferences, some great tools and resources to help you. So for all my New Jersey and New York folk, please pay special attention towards this podcast. It's crazy. This is like a women's empowerment podcast a bit um, with a Latina flavor. And yo, this is going to be a great time. So before we get into it, I, I promise you, I'm not going to go on no motivational rant or riff today. I'll say that's for the next podcast, but I just want to get a couple housekeeping things. First, if you listen to it on iTunes or iPhone, make sure you go leave a review. Two, Make sure, make sure if you have not already, you need to go register online for the Minority Trailblazer Conference 2018, October 31st. That's when early bird prices in. So you can find out more at mtbconf.com. Also, Oakland, California. So if you're in the San Francisco area, Oakland area, December 8th. November 4th, Saturday, 4 to 7 p.m. We are going to be live, baby, in Oakland, California for the live podcast. I got my my boy Q Harris, Ariel Belgrave Harris, Couples United. I'm talking about Bevel, Facebook. I'm talking about the Gym Hookie. Man, we got some phenomenal brands, companies, and organizations going to be in attendance. We're going to talk real, real, real in that thing. So make sure you check me out November 4th in Oakland, California. And November 11th, we coming to Dallas, Texas for the Minority Trouble is Alive. So for more information on that, greggyhill.com backslash MTP live. And you'll get all the way to buy tickets and all that good stuff. All right. That's enough on me. Let's jump into the interview and read the bio. She is the founder and CEO of VJR Enterprises. A consulting company dedicated to elevating, enriching, and empowering, I love those E's, people to become the best version of themselves. She's been a career strategist and brand consultant for over 11 years, shifting mindsets from I can't, I'm too scared, to I can and I will. She's also the president and co-founder of the Female Collaborative, a new age progressive women's network dedicated to providing guidance and solutions to the challenges women face both professionally and personally. 
She has coached professionals from entry level to executives with significant results across industries worldwide. I mean, her clients include private and corporate small to Fortune 500 companies, including Barclays Wealth. Bristol Myers Squibbs, Goldman Sachs, iHeartMedia, Johnson & Johnson, Morgan Stanley, just to name a few. And prior to becoming a full-time entrepreneur, she managed talent development at Johnson & Johnson. Shout out to Jan J. I used to work there. Overseeing early career pipeline talent programs and developing robust diversity best practice strategies for the consumer marketing and sales businesses. She began her career on Wall Street and Lehman Brothers, followed by Barclays Wealth with a focus on sales and trading, servicing both high net worth and institutional clients. And she also sits on the board of Bronx Global Learning Institute for Girls, located in the South Bronx of New York, which is a charter school dedicated to creating the next generation of female global leaders. And she is a proud graduate of Baruch College, where she received her bachelor's degree, and she currently resides in New Brunswick, New Jersey. So without further ado... I would like to introduce Victoria Jen Rodriguez to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for that lovely introduction. I appreciate that. Oh, man. <laughs> Very it, much it, so. It, no, I appreciate that. I, I, I had to tell my audience, man, when I first got it, it was like, it was 10 pages. She's just so deep. She's so qualified. <laughs> so this. So I just couldn't, it was hard to even parse that thing into that. And it, it flowed smoothly, man. So I'm excited to finally get you on the show. I think we've been connected for like over, over a year, year and a half. I think it started on Snapchat, right? It did. That's where I first discovered you. Actually, well, no, I first discovered you on LinkedIn. I saw your amazing posts and your thoughtful posts. And I was like, who is this guy? And then I did my research and then I started becoming a supporter and fan. So started following you across all social media, got to know you a little bit personally, or at least as much as you show us on social media. And I knew from that moment on that I vibe with your energy. I needed to make sure I was consuming that energy as much as possible and, and made it a priority to meet you. And that's exactly what I did when we met up in Houston. So yeah. excited I did that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We actually had a chance. Um, first of all, show us real quick, because I think the, the, the event that you attended in Houston, man, which is mind blowing. Can you share with our audience? Uh, cause we met in Houston a couple of while back. I did a live podcast in Houston. Shout out to Houston, man. Um, prayers out and hopefully the city is re restoring. I will be back out there shortly, but man, I had a, when I was there in the summer, I had a phenomenal blast, but you were at a conference convention and can you talk a little bit about that? I know this is not the realm of the podcast, but I definitely believe, um, that, that, that conference and that event is, uh, mentioned. I actually want to go to one. Yeah, absolutely. But before I do that, if it's okay, Greg, I just want to take a moment to salute you and give you kudos because I love the work that you're doing. It's so needed. There's such a gap in the minority community in terms of how and where and how often we're sharing our wins and our stories and how often we are promoting and empowering each other. So I really appreciate you for what you do and for creating this platform and for the amazing work that you're doing in terms of elevating the community. So kudos to you, Greg. Oh, no, no, right. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in terms of Houston, so Houston, I actually was in town to attend a Hispanicized uh, conference, which is a huge conference that is held across the country 
And it's for bloggers, influencers, it's for small business owners, and it's for people who are trying to have impact, leave a legacy, and really trying to build relationships with brands so they can further extend out their message to the masses. And so this conference was for all of their Houston influencers and bloggers. And so I just decided to travel there, um, right? Take ownership mm -hmm. of your um, of your future. And so um, there were a number of brands that were there that I got to meet with. I also got to learn a lot of what these big brands are looking for in terms of partnerships. I also got to meet a great number of people that are doing it in the influencer space. Um, so it was a great opportunity for me to just expand my network and learn more about how these people are becoming successful um, as an influencer. Mm -hmm. And also when I saw that you were going to be in town, I was like, oh my God, this was so meant to be on so many levels. And so that's why I reached out to make sure that we had a chance to meet. Yeah, nah. And, and real quick, cause I know a lot of people on this, uh, that listen to the podcast are big into personal development. They read it, the bloggers, all that good stuff. What's your, cause I know, and I know you've been in the industry for a little while. What's your usual, um, agenda and game plan when you attend conferences? And what what was your biggest takeaway that you acted upon after leaving that conference? So when I attend conferences, I'm, I'm pretty focused and targeted in terms of, you know, what I want to accomplish, because usually there's so much information overload. There's just a lot to consume. So it's always good to go in there with a plan and have some objectives so you don't feel overwhelmed. And you also walk away feeling like, okay, this was a productive experience. I actually got some really good relationships and learned a lot. So I usually go in um, understanding who's going to be attending and making a priority list of who I want to meet, which is usually three to four people. Mm -hmm. And then whoever I meet along the way are bonuses, right? Cream on top of the cake. So that's usually the first thing I do. And then the second thing I do is just check out the agenda and see what speaks out to me and see what's really going to help me learn what I need to learn and also going to expose me to new things I may not have thought about um, and also learn who the major players are. Right. So the agenda is really important when I'm attending a conference. And then lastly, I always want to make sure that I go in there with an idea of what I want to tell people, right? So very similar to your elevator pitch, what is it that you want people to know about you after they meet you at these events? And so going in there with that script and understanding, again, what's your ultimate goal and what you want people to walk away with after you meet them is key. Mm, I love that. And what was the one thing right after you left that conference that you implemented like immediately? I started becoming more consecutive and more consistent in the way that I communicated to my tribe or my audience, right? I started to market to them a lot differently uh, as a result of seeing how these folks have become successful in terms of how many times they're posting, how often they're communicating, how are they engaging with their audience? I think that was a huge takeaway for me and definitely a quick takeaway that I could implement as soon as I got back. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that. So enough on the Spanish size. We're going to jump into the podcast right now. And I know I read a lot. And matter of fact, no, we got one more public service announcement. You have an event coming up. Can you kind of share? And I know we haven't jumped into your story, but I always try to get my stuff in the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because my podcast lent in like sometimes it might be 60, 90. So I want to put it in the back end. Can you share with us what your event is going on, what it's about, who should it be attending and where it's going to be all that good stuff? Absolutely. And I and I hope the listeners are really paying attention to this because this is beyond the public service announcement. This is 
hey, you need to hear this announcement, right? So this is for all the ladies as well as the fellas. So I am the president and co-founder of the Female Collaborative, which as Greg alluded to earlier, you know, this organization was started because I was really getting tired of seeing the competition that was happening among women and really getting tired of seeing women operate in silos, right? So you have your white woman doing this, you have your black woman doing that, you have your Spanish woman doing this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I really got tired of seeing that type of segregation because there's more power in us collaborating, right? There's more power in us coming together and having one voice. And so we started this organization for people who are feeling those same type of sentiments and also for people who are looking for an outlet, looking for a support group, looking for a network that they know that they can count on for a real sisterhood beyond just the similarities of us all being women. It's way beyond that and deeper than that. It's more about how can we really collaborate and make money together, right? How can we build partnerships that really matter beyond the surface? So it's not just, hey girl, so nice to meet you. Let's go get our nails done. No, it's, hey girl, let's figure out how to make this money. Let's figure out how to make these partnerships. Let's figure out how to Mm. cultivate and revitalize communities. Let's have impact. Let's build our legacy together. And so that's the premise behind this. it's also a um, a network where you're going to come to receive real dialogue and no BS and no fluff. You know, throughout my career, um, I've worked at a number of different organizations across corporate America, across industry and all the women's events that I would go to. It was too, you know, too formal, too buttoned up to the top. And people still were wearing their masks and there wasn't any real authentic dialogue that was taking place. And there weren't any real tools and resources that they were offering attendees of these events that they could go and use as soon as they leave. It was kind of like a feel good high for a couple of minutes. And then after you left the conference, that's it. All of those relationships, everyone that you meet kind of goes to the wayside and you, you lose that momentum. So this is a different type of organization where you're going to come in, you're going to see real, you're going to hear real dialogue. You're going to meet real women and they're going to give you the raw truths of what it takes to dominate in life and business, which leads to my event uh, that is happening next month on November 10th and 11th in New Jersey, North New Jersey at Kearney Point, which is a gorgeous co-working space. Um, They actually took a warehouse and completely transformed it. So it's gorgeous, has exposed brick. Everything that you would see in Williamsburg is essentially right in the heart of New Jersey in Kearney Point. So it's beautiful. And it's called Woman Who Raw, Dominating in Life and Business. So this event is going to be attended by professionals, influencers, bloggers, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and also women who are just trying to figure out what their next step is going to be. And they just need to be around incredible women who are doing their thing to be inspired and be empowered, but more importantly, to expose them to different opportunities, to avenues that they may have not considered before. So this is that type of event. Um, so it's going to be November 10th, which is going to kick off our networking reception. And then November 11th is a full day workshop series. So this is when, you know, the women are going to come to work and we have a number of different panels that I'm really excited about. I think our most controversial panel is going to be our black versus brown panel where we have um, black women as well as Spanish women on that panel talking about us operating in silos, talking to us about 
how we are actually putting ourselves at a disadvantage by segregating the cultures instead of creating more unity. So that's going to be an amazing dialogue that I'm really looking forward to. Another great dialogue that's going to be taking place is financing your dreams without going broke. You know, part of our generation, a lot of people, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. It's really sexy. It sounds intriguing and it sounds amazing to be on your own, but they really don't understand what really goes into operating your own business and how financially stable you need to be both before and during in order to build scale and sustainability of your business. Um, another great conversation that we're going to have is building your brand both on and off social media. A lot of people are having a difficult time in separating the two, right? And how they operate personally on social media versus how they move on social media professionally, such as on a LinkedIn platform. So that's going to be a great dialogue and some good takeaways for people to kind of figure out how they should represent themselves on social media. We're going to have a mom versus being single panel. So life as a mom, killing it at the office, taking care of hubby, taking care of the kids. And then as a single woman and you killing it and how you may intimidate some dudes out there and they just can't handle it. And all the misconceptions <laughs> that happen between, you know, moms and being single. So really great dialogue, really robust. Definitely visit us at uh, thefemalecollaborative.com. That's thefemalecollaborative.com, which has all the details, the agenda. We have a robust panel. And, you know, this event is going to be super duper diverse, not only by the ethnicities that will be there, but also the ages, the professional levels. And we did that purposely, right? Because the way the senior women have made it to the top is not the same way we are because the game has changed. The way we do business has changed. The way we market to consumer has changed. The way we contribute to the bottom line has changed. And so there's a lot of lessons learned from both sides. And we need to share those insights from both of us. So our panels, there'll be senior women on our panels, and there's also going to be junior women on our panels. And they're going to engage in dialogue, which is going to bring that rawness and bring that really interesting dialogue that we're all kind of of hoping to hear and learn, but it just doesn't exist today because usually it's too heavily weighted either on the junior side or the senior side. So this is an opportunity to bring the two together and really engage in dialogue that's going to have impact, transform the way that you think, and you're going to walk away from this conference feeling like you can do anything, but most importantly, that you don't have to do it alone. So hope to see you guys there. Got to love that, love that, love that, love that. So, so Vicky, Vic, Victoria. I always start to show off with a quote. So can you share with our audience a quote that you kind of live by, stand by, and a story about how you apply that quote to your everyday life? Oh, man. Uh, I have so many uh, that I love. I think the one that really drives me every day, especially as an entrepreneur and just dealing with people, is um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that means is you don't have control over anyone, their actions, the way they move, the way they groove, the way they think, the way they respond to you. And I think the sooner that you become comfortable with that understanding, the greater your impact and productivity will be and the less things you will take personally and you will just continue to operate in your space, continue to spread your energy, continue to be productive because you don't have control over anyone but yourself. Mm. So what's a what's a what's a, a tangible story that you had to reply that think like yo had to kind of check yourself when you were thinking about that? There are many, uh, but let's see here. I want to make sure it's a good one um, that you guys can really feel like wow I experienced this too. 
So, I mean, working on teams, right? So you're at the office, you run your own business. You're always usually working on a team and not doing things by yourself. And so if you are someone who has a strong work ethic or has a particular style on how you operate and how you perform, you're usually comparing that style to your peer or someone who is on your team and you want them to complete things as quickly as you do, or you want them to produce things the same way that you do. And that's necessarily not the case because everyone has their own particular style. So, you know, there were many moments when I was on a team and I was leading a project and I would get super duper frustrated because people's work ethic weren't the same as mine, right? They weren't rolling up their sleeves. They weren't really getting into the detail because they really weren't as passionate about it that I was, right? Same thing with the female collaborative. I can't take it personally if people don't come out. If it doesn't sit with you, if it doesn't resonate with you, if you're not as passionate about it, you're not going to work as hard for it. And there are plenty of situations where I've worked on teams where I've had to really step back and say, okay, V, not everybody is like you. Not everybody operates the same way as you. You're going to have to learn, right? It's you. You're going to have to learn how to flex your style, how to communicate your messages differently so that you're able to get people to buy in, yeah. right? And you're able to get people to really feed into your story to what it is that you're working towards so that they can work just as hard as you are. Yeah, no, nah, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, it's crazy how you say that because I'm reading this book called uh, The Art of Influence. Persuading Others Begins With You by Chris Widener. And there's a difference between persuasion and influence. And persuasion, and you're trying to get somebody to get something. Um, and you're, you're persuading them. You're trying to get somebody to do a certain thing. But influence is they're actually making the decision themselves. And I think a lot of times it's a, it's a big struggle because in your head you have, okay, if I'm a leader, I know what the team work, should work like. I know what the work ethic looks like, all this other stuff. But, you know, we all come from, and I think it goes into the adversity piece, we all come from a background of way different experiences. And I, I'll be practical. It's crazy. I talked about it last week. There was a time where my manager I don't know. It was like a couple years ago. I worked at a DCRI, clinical research place. And my manager had sent me an email, said, what'd she say? She said, um, uh, you need to, uh, watch your, watch your mouth or something crazy. And I was like, what? Like she, she's a, a Princeton grad. Like she's not, she's, she's not even, don't even talk like that. And why would she even use that type of language with me? And that dramatically changed our whole relationship. But we got back on track after a while. But no, you need to watch your attitude or something like that. And I think because we never had a discussion, those communications, those touch points to really get to where our expectations were, how we we're going to communicate. And those weren't properly outlined and agreed upon on both parties. There was a lot of angst. And I think I see that a lot of times with with people that are leading specifically or just in general, working with coworkers, working with employees. And if you don't have these honest and that's what I love what your conference is doing, just to what you promote. If we do not have this honest dialogue, then, of course, expectations are going to be aligned. Of course, people are going to have attitudes. Of course, people are going to say, oh, I'm working hard because one person working hard doesn't look the same for everybody. It could be somebody that you may not see them at the office all the time, but they're at home and they're getting stuff done. You don't know. And a lot of times it just becomes on the productive. It's, it's, it's so much deeper than that. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I want to I want to talk because you have this conference. You have I, I looked you work with a lot of brands. I mean, Wall Street, consumer sales, science, all this other stuff. But let's go back to the beginning, man. Tell us about Victoria growing up kind of where you come from your backstory so you can put some context to why it's so important and, and why you, branding business and all this stuff and, and how it even came to play 
Yeah. So I grew up in New York. I'm a New York girl at heart. Uh, I grew up in Queens, lived in Orlando a few years, but the majority of my life, I grew up in Queens. I mostly grew up with my dad. So big time daddy's girl. Um, and I am kind of the first one in my family to really take ownership of where I want to go and really have the opportunity, uh, to educate myself and really, um, build a foundation for greatness. Right. And I, I'm proud of that. And I'm honored of that to be the first one in my family, um, to accomplish as much as I have. But I think, although, you know, I didn't necessarily have any, um, role models in terms of my immediate family in the, in the sense of, oh my God, they're so successful. They were able to reach managing director, senior VP, have their own business. I had a lot of role models in terms of working hard and what it takes in order to survive and what is real love and, and, and what type of environment I operate the most, um, highly in. So all of these kind of quote unquote soft skills that make you really successful in anything that you do is what I was able to, to gain from growing up in a family that was so much centered around love, working hard, doing what you need to survive, supporting each other, encouraging each other, empowering each other, and just making sure that you don't leave anyone behind. Right. So a lot of those skills is what I gained from my family. Um, I went to Baruch in New York, um, studied finance and investments. I, you know, Wall Street was the only thing that I knew, right? A lot of minorities, usually that is the only thing that we knew. We think about money because a lot of us come, come from, you know, humble beginnings. And so our main priority is how to get this money, baby. And usually the quickest way to get there is through finance. At least that's what we're exposed to the most, right? So as a result of that, naturally, I was like, I want to major in finance and investments. I want to get my butt to Wall Street. I want to make this money, right? Um, and so naturally, that's exactly what I did. So I interned at Lehman Brothers uh, during my junior year. Uh, and from there, the rest is history, right? I returned there full time afterwards. And throughout my uh, college career, I was really, really lucky to meet some incredible mentors, one in particular, Shirley Rodriguez Remineski, who is like my second mom. She's also the founder of the Bronx Global Leadership Institute for Girls, the charter school that I sit on the board of, which I was on the board of at 20 years old, which never happens, right? But she believed in me and she was like, you know what? As soon as you graduate, you're going to be on this board and we're going to create a name for you, right? So it's people like that that I had met throughout my entire career that had given me the exposure and the platform to really expose and excel me in a lot of different ways is what has allowed me to get to where I am today. So I met her in college um, and she you know, introduced me to a woman at Lehman Brothers and that's how I got the internship. And that's how I returned there full time, spent my time there for a couple of years before, you know, I experienced the downturn that happened once Lehman Brothers blew up. And it was really at that moment that I knew the importance of following what you're passionate about and mm -hmm. really thriving in cultures that allow you to be your best you and empower you to have a voice. Right. And so I started looking for those type of cultures in any venue that I can find it, which is what has allowed me to reinvent myself consistently. So after Lehman Brothers went under, I had a choice to make. So Barclays Wealth bought my division. They had a completely different culture than what I was experiencing at Lehman Brothers. 
And it was a culture shock for me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to resign in the height of the recession. My poor dad almost had a heart attack. But I was like, listen, I'm going to follow my dreams. Like, I want to follow what makes me feel good, what makes me tick. And so, you know, I've always been very much involved in community and people and wanting to engage with people and connect the dots for people. And so I thought that public relations was a good space for me because, right, that's a people business. And so after Lehman went under, I volunteered for the New York Latino Film Festival with the head PR firm, got to experience PR and realized like, "Eh, yeah, PR is not for me, definitely not something I want to do. But you need those type of experiences, right? You need to If you don't try, if you don't experience, you don't really know what you enjoy and what you don't. So definitely take advantage of those opportunities to figure out what it is you want to do. Volunteer as much as possible. Connect with as many people as possible so that you can really figure out what thrives you and what makes you happy and what you want to do. And so a mentor of mine from Lehman Brothers was on the board of the Council of Urban Professionals, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to um, creating community advocates all the way from entry level to senior suite within the minority community. And she told me about this organization and she said, hey, listen, this is a great organization for you to expand your network. You'll be exposed to a number of different industries. Plus, you get to do what you love, which is revitalizing communities. You get to work on legislation, go to Washington, go to Albany. And I was like, oh, this is this could be a possibly great (laughs) next step. Right. After Lehman Brothers, after figuring out I didn't want to do PR. So I joined their team, was with them for about two years before I started working at Morgan Stanley. Um, And Morgan Stanley was actually my first formal corporate experience on the people side. Right. So when I was at Lehman Brothers, I was in operations. I was in sales and trading. And when I got to Morgan Stanley, it was more of an HR role. I now became a recruiter, right? So that was my first reinvention, quote unquote, of myself, right? So I went from the business to an HR role, right? So reinventing myself. Worked at Morgan Stanley, recruited there for about two years. I would recruit for front office positional roles, mostly focused on um, diversity. So I would bring in Black and Hispanic MBAs who were interested in working at the bank was there for about two years before I got laid off. Got laid off. This was yet another opportunity for me to think about, okay, what do I want to do next? Where do I want to go? Right. So I started thinking about the entertainment industry because growing up in finance, real quick, real quick, real quick, yeah. Latoya, when I think this is critical because there's a couple of things you have to, you have the journey that, um, that I want to, I want to talk to real quick. It's two things. One, opportunity. And then two, dealing with, um, dealing with layoffs. Because one, I, I've, I've been read, a lot of people have reached out, uh, to me personally and I've seen it online. There's a lot of people out there that are searching for opportunities. And a lot of, there's a, I got a lot to say on that, but I want to get your perspective for, for those out there that they have this passion, they're the job that they don't like, or they just been released from a job they don't like. Um, and they're, they're looking for opportunities. So what would you kind of advice would you give to that person? But also too, after you do that, I would love for you to break down mentally when you first got the dang, like you were doing well in your job. Cause we talked previously before that, like you were doing well in your job, but you get blindsided by, hold up, we're a layoff. What in the world? So how to deal with that as far as a mentality perspective? Yeah. So I'll definitely first by saying, you know, A layoff you cannot take personally. Mm -hmm. It's really about business, right? So it's if they're planning to close shop on a particular business unit and you're in that business unit, you're going, 
Like it doesn't matter. You can try and network yourself to a new role, but it's definitely not personal. So never feel mm. like they're doing it to you on purpose or they're coming at you or they're trying to get you. It really is about business when you're thinking about layovers, especially downsizing. Um, if you're in a business that they're looking to get rid of because they need to do that in order to survive, they're going to have to let you go. So first, have that mindset that this is I not like personal. That. And that really helps you continue to move on because a lot of people, they, they're ashamed or they're embarrassed after they get laid off because they think it's a personal thing. And it's really not. It has, it's, it's about business. It has nothing to do with you. It's not personal. So that's number one. Um, I personally view layoffs as a blessing in disguise. And I've been laid off four times throughout my career. Okay. Wow. So trust me, I know a thing or two <laughs> about layoffs. You are a layoff consultant. <laughs> exactly, right? I know a thing or two about layoff, but most importantly, I also know about the power of reinventing yourself and the, the experience you go through as a result of a layoff really leads to your ultimate path. And what I mean by that is when you get laid off, you're forced to think outside of your box. You're forced to think of what are your options and you're really forced to operate outside of your comfort zone because you're already feeling, you know, kind of on the edge because you got laid off already. And that type of thinking and that type of um, environment that you are naturally put into as a result of getting laid off is a really good space for you because that's when the magic happens. That's when you really start doing your reevaluation, really thinking about, okay, what's my next step going to be more so than you would if you were comfortable in your role, right? Because you would have no other reason to. You're chilling. You're comfortable. You come to work every day. You Gucci, right? There's no reason for you to think about the what ifs. There's no reason for you to think about your options at that point because you're okay, you're comfortable. And being comfortable is never a good space to be in, right? So being laid off really forces you to be uncomfortable and really forces you to think outside the box. So so in addition to having the mindset of it's not person personal, it's also a mindset of, of okay, this could be a really good thing for me because I have an opportunity to reinvent myself. Mm, okay, I love that. I love I love those jewels and 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 to speak to the person out there that is searching for opportunities, like they're in a field that they don't like, and I, that the search for opportunities. What would you say? And I know that's broad because I mean it depends on the opportunity, whatever. But I think there's a couple of strategies, a couple of things that people can do to kind of add. I think you hit on them earlier, but I want you to kind of hit directly to that person out there, that young woman, that young man that says, "Hey." I want to kind of go out and follow my dreams. I want to do this, but I want to do it in a sound way. Of course, they can get the full version at your conference, but if they can't get it right there, give them some nuggets right there for that person out there that's seeking a role. So with anything in life, the way you operate personally and professionally, you should always be thinking about building relationships with people, right? And building sound relationships with people and fostering and cultivating those relationships. Because the more relationships that you have and the more diverse your relationships, the better it is for you to reinvent yourself, to create something amazing, to build with someone, to partner with someone. Same case with finding a new role. So if all along, whether you're looking for a new role or you're in a role that you're happy with, Make sure that you're building sound relationships with people because you never know what will happen, i.e. a layoff or you're moving to a different state or you're planning to pursue a particular passion and you don't know how to go about it. Those relationships 
are what's going to save you. And those relationships are what's going to empower and encourage you to keep on going. I cannot begin to tell you every job that I've gotten throughout my entire career has been a result of somebody that I've known. It's never gone the traditional route of I'm going to apply online and they're going to accept my application because my application is so stellar. No, it's all been through somebody that I've known. So if you're building relationships throughout your entire career, regardless of where you are, whether you're entry level, middle management, or you're at the executive level, if you are building relationships and making and being mindful of that and being strategic of the relationship that you are building, it's just going to make your journey that much easier. So that's strategy one, right? Is making sure that you're building sound relationships. Strategy two is making sure that you are being a true representative of your brand, right? And that's why, you know, brand is becoming a very popular word and it's gonna continue to be one of the most critical things that will either hinder your progress or excel your progress. Um, because your brand is so, so, so important and it can make or break you. So if you're on the job hunt, or even if you're not, you need to make sure you're on LinkedIn, which is the largest professional network, right? That is used today across the globe. You need to make sure you're on LinkedIn and you need to make sure that you are representing yourself well. You can look at Greg's profile as an example. My boy is killing it on LinkedIn, okay? <laughs> he is representing himself. And I think what's really important here is he's also showing his real self. He's being authentic in his posts. He's sharing real life experiences. And that's what people gravitate to. That's what people engage with. That's what people will remember you by. So as you're building your brand, you need to make sure that you're staying true to who you are. But you understand, given the environment that you're in, you might need to flex that a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're staying true to your core. So that's strategy two. Strategy three is... You need to make sure you have all the basics in order, right? You need to make sure your resume is on point. You can't be, you know, that's kind of usually the first introduction you're giving to people, especially if you're on the job hunt. Make sure your resume is on point. Make sure you know your resume. If you have someone do your resume for you, make sure you know what's on that <laughs> resume. Because a lot of people, you know, I, I coach people all the time and sometimes I do resumes and I'll give someone a resume, but I make it a point to have a consultation with them afterwards. <laughs> like, listen, you need to know what's on this resume. People are going <laughs> to ask you questions off of this resume. It might look great. It might get you in the door. But once they have a conversation with you, <laughs> if you don't know what's on your resume, you're putting your foot in your mouth, <laughs> right? So you're done. <laughs> so make sure you know what's on that resume. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, I can't tell you. As a recruiter, how many cases I've asked they be looking for resume, deep. and they're like, huh? <laughs> what? I was a part of that organization. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Just on your resume. Uh, so make sure you know your resume and to get the coaching guidance that you need to make sure that you are prepared for your interviews and making sure that you are just feeling comfortable in your own skin. And the way that you're going to feel that way is the more practice. Right. Practice makes perfect. It's totally true. So the more comfortable you are in your skin, the more confident you are about your goals, your milestones, your accomplishments, and articulating in such a way where you're selling yourself, the better the chances of you setting yourself up for success, right? So yeah, three man. strategies, relationships, brand management, and making sure that you got the basics down, such as your resume and making sure you're feeling comfortable during the interview to represent who you are and the value that you bring. Man, I love that. I love that. I love that. And the only thing I would add is outside of that, and I love Victoria because I can tell just by our interactions, just in general, that hunger 
to actually seek a new role and seek a new opportunity because I know that sounds real meta, but at the end of the day, I know people that are searching for opportunities, but they haven't did a Google re- a Google search of, I wanted to get into freelance X, Y, and Z. I want to do this. The Google search in their city of the top 100 companies to do it and then giving them calls. Like that's, that may, I mean, cause I think sometimes we, we stay so much in the digital realm that it never trans. And I, I think you said it earlier. There's a difference between a social media relationship and a real relationship. Like me and Vic, Vic, now I met her at in Houston and now we have, I, I know her. So now that this went from a social media to now a, a real and over the years, a real relationship. However, I see a lot of people, they're angling online to look deep. They have the resume, they have this, but they're not getting any jobs because they never took the time into building those real relationships because real relationships or relationships are what got you in the door. And what does a real relationship look like? That looks like sometimes having coffee, having lunches, calling people on the phone. I know it's like, oh, I can just send an email. I can just send a LinkedIn message. No, calling a couple on their phone saying, hey, I provide X, Y, and Z. Here's my value. Like, are there any opportunities? Can I intern? Can I work? But I've, it kills me that people I know that are searching for opportunities, but they have made zero phone calls. They have did zero online searches outside of just filling up applications. And, you know, we're in the 21st century now. So filling out an application, that, that's not always the best way to go. So I'm challenging people. I'm challenging. I know technology is getting better. Now you can send messages to thousands of people at one click of a button. But let's create, if it's one real relationship a month, let's, let's make a small goal, a real vibrant relation. How do you do that? You get, you do that through conferences. You do that through coaching. If you can't afford those things, you do that through trying to barter to go to conferences. Like when I had a conference, somebody said, I can't afford it, but I have camera services. Okay, cool. Bring them on in. Don't just say, Oh, I just write it off just because I can't afford it. Sometimes there's media passes. There's ways you can add value and help. Maybe you can promote and get 10 people to come. I guarantee you, you can be like, okay, cool. You can be on my team. If you get me 10 people to come and pay X amount. So stop just saying, Oh, I just filled out the application. People don't like me. Or I don't have opportunities. No. Had that urgency, had that grind, had that grit. Yeah, and I think most importantly, you're the architect of your career. Whatever you build is is what will be the result of mm. what comes out of your career. But you need to build. You need to build the foundation. <laughs> and then after you build the foundation, you need to put brick on top of brick on top of brick in order for you to build a beautiful mansion, right? Mm-hmm. You need to build. You need to be the architect of your own career. You need to take ownership of what is happening to you. And, and, and the moves that you're making. And you need to be honest with yourself. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm slacking. I need to step it up. And this is how I'm going to step it up. And you need to stick to your game plan because if you don't, you're just going to continue to complain. You're going to continue to play the victim. You're going to continue to feel less than, which is going to do more harm than good in the long run. And it's really not that difficult. You can practice when you're at the nail salon, when you're shopping for sneakers, talk to the salespeople, talk to your nail technician, Mm. talk to your mailman, just start engaging in conversation so that you can just start becoming more comfortable with just having small talk to start, right? Just having small talk so you just get comfortable and getting acquainted with people. Then once you pass that phase, the next phase is, okay, how can I make this more uh, more meaty? How can I make this more foundational? How can I make this more strategic and not just the small talk beyond the small talk? Right. And then you start building and cultivating your relationships and it's really small little tricks. I'll share one trick with you on how to maintain your network and how to foster and cultivate your network. Keep a list of all the people that you meet, quick Excel sheet, Google docs, whatever you're comfortable with. Keep a list, email addresses, 
holidays, great time to cultivate your network. Send them a card, one of the e-cards for Thanksgiving, for the holidays. Wish you a happy holiday season. Hope all is well. This year, I accomplished X, Y, Z. I am so thankful. I hope that you continue to smile and be joyful. Done. Mm. And you sent that out to your entire network. And now you're, you're on their mind. Like, wow, this was such a thoughtful note. Thank you so much. And it was so unexpected. Like, I appreciate this person. I like this person. I'm going to keep this person in mind. People remember how you make them feel over what you do nine times out of 10. So focus on pulling on those heartstrings, pulling on emotions, because that's what people are going to remember you by. And that's what's going to make them go hard for you when you need something. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to give a quick segue because you have a lot of experience in a variety of different roles and expertises. And I, I believe you're a huge advocate for women empowerment and your confidence via your posts and just in general. Um, I love it. Like, I mean, I love that because sometimes, and I talked about it on my a, a last video on YouTube, that playing small syndrome. And of course, and I, I think we, we suffer that a lot of times in our, in our culture where, Amongst our peers, we're, we're braggadocious. We could talk stuff when we around our friends and all this other stuff. And it's great. But then we get in corporate settings. Sometimes we, we took our chest in a bit and we don't want to seem that we're too arrogant or this or that. And, and our colleagues on the hand, they're just beating their chest over like little small wins. You're like, yo, I did that times 10 and I'm not getting the promotion. I'm not getting the raise and self advocacy is key. So I want to kind of ask a couple key questions and they kind of, this is your time to just give advice to the people that are on this podcast or whatnot, just doing stuff you've seen, the best practices and strategies. Um, so I'm going to ask these questions before I do. I want to give, I want to say one thing. Like, I don't know why you don't have a podcast already or, or not on the radio. Cause I mean, it's just, I, I, I was like, yo, this is, this is, this is, it's concrete advice. It's fluent. There's no, and you got a voice for it and you got a last name for it, Rodriguez. Like, yo, you, I, I don't understand why it's not happening. Hopefully in 2017, 18, it it's happens. It's coming. It's coming. It's like, coming. It's coming. I just I thought of, I'm going to give some free ideas out there. Hopefully nobody steals them, but they can if they want. Like, I, I, I'm going to think like something about like the reinvention or the, the layoff coach is catchy. And then it's like, how do, how do people re, like have stories of people that have been laid off and how they reinvented themselves? Cause everybody in the mom, under mama has been laid off or fired from a job or, or quit or whatever. And how they reinvented themselves. So boom, or something like the reinvention podcast, blah, 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 like something of that nature where people can just share, share stories and strategies on how they reinvented themselves after XYZ. And I think that's a good hook, an easy hook, the reinvention hook, boom. And then get them there because I don't really think there's too many things out there on the market on the market because there's a lot of podcasts out there about career growth and women that are doing great stuff which is cool but I think an extra hook on that thing would be people that reinvention and you start off the show with okay what is the story what was that like what was that email like when you first got it so everybody can vent boom and then what was the strategy you took to do xyz so I think that would be a cool but I just throwing that out there um <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, like seriously, 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 because you have the voice for it and everything else. But um, I want to, I want, I want to, I want you to kind of to reminisce, right? Because I'm in my twenties. A lot of my listeners are in their early thirties or their um, early to mid twenties. And you know, there's always now there used to be a midlife crisis. Now there's a quarter life crisis. And in our twenties, is a lot of times where. Sometimes we make good decisions, sometimes we make bad decisions. You've seen everybody get married, you see this, you see that. So if you can kind of give, and I know this is going to be general, but I know you're, you're well suited and kind of pivoted kind of what, what the feeling and vibe is. 
can you kind of give some advice to our audience, man, that stuff that in their 20s, as far as career wise and personally, that could kind of help and elevate them to be the best version of themselves? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of things that you can do, um, but I think the number one is being self-aware, mm. being self-aware of, <clears throat> you know, what you're good at, what you're not good at what you love to do, what you don't love to do, how you operate on teams, how you operate alone, how you handle conflict, how do you maneuver under pressure? All of these things that come along with being aware of who you are and also emotional intelligence, right? So emotional intelligence, what is that? Emotional intelligence means that you pick up on people's signals in terms of how they're reacting to you or how they are perceiving your message, how they're internalizing what you're doing, picking up on those cues is what's really going to help you kind of navigate your career, but more importantly, figure out how to flex your style when you're working with different people. And this is something we're going to focus on at our conference, right? There's a whole section on self-awareness and emotional intelligence because people forget how important the quote unquote soft skills are in order for you to really progress both personally and professionally. So it's really important that you are content with who you are. Now that doesn't go to say that you're not consistently growing and you're going to learn something new about yourself as you continue to grow, because I still continue to learn about myself as I move, as I, as I experience different challenges, as I have new obstacles in front of me and I'm figuring out how to come over those obstacles, that growth never stops. But my foundation, my moral compass is is the same, right? So being aware of what that is, is going to help you operate and it's going to help you navigate kind of which way to go. So really important to be in tune with who you are and, 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 and emotional intelligence and how you operate and interact with different people mm, is really, that. really important. Yeah, no, nah, I I think I love that because unfortunately we live in a society where a lot of times we're more aware of our friends, aware of our colleagues, aware of other things. But if any, if we get into a situation where somebody says, "Hey, man, like, what are your strengths? Like, what are you good at? What are you not good at?" and we have those type of conversations, we end up blank. Um, but I do want to ask one question: how did how did you personally figure out like what strategy or what what how did you figure out what you're not good at and what you are good at because i think that's a stepping point because i've heard it all the time find out what you're good at but i think a lot of times the questions always become that because a lot of people think they're good at stuff they're not <laughs> Let's yeah be real. like you know it you see people all the time i want this job in tech and all this other stuff yo that's not even you don't even like isolated settings you don't like working with people you're not even collaborative do you really want that job or you want to be an hr and you are the most bland sterile person that's unorganized like what that doesn't make sense so how do we accurately get to see not the better question not our strengths but our weaknesses yeah, I think, and that's that self-awareness piece, right? And why it's so important because it will just drive everything. But usually the things that you're not good at are the things you don't enjoy doing <laughs> most of the time. Most of the right? time. 98% most of the time, right. So that, that's usually kind of like your first place you can start. Like, what do I not enjoy doing? That's usually a good place to to find out what you're not good at. Also, going back to why relationships are so important. If you have a network of people that you consider your sounding board or just keep it real with you and give you real constructive feedback, they're going to tell you what you're not good at. And they're going to tell you, you know, what your weaknesses are and, and listen, because they are on the outside looking in. And normally we're so consumed with operating within our bubble 
that we don't even see outside of ourselves. And so it's good to have a network of people that are observing you that can give you that type of feedback and at least make you think about, hmm, maybe I'm not good at that. They have a point, right? They're giving you sound examples of how you're not good at this and why this is a weakness of yours. Um, and I think also, you know, a lot of people usually know, but they're just not honest with themselves or they don't want to accept it that this is a weakness because they want it so bad, right? But the sooner you start accepting um, your weaknesses, and I don't even like to call them weaknesses. I like to call them areas of opportunity because we all have room for growth, right? There's always opportunities for us to grow. So don't even look at it as a weakness. Um, look at it as just an opportunity for you to grow. That's essentially what it is. But what has helped me throughout my career is focusing less on what those areas of opportunity are, being aware so I could delegate those things to people, right? But focusing more on what are my strengths? Where am I most productive? What can I really execute really, really well that's going to separate me from the competition? You know, Gary V, who is somebody that um, I love mainly because, I mean, additionally to him dropping gems, but mainly because he lives out loud. Right. And I love that he's introducing this new way of communicating. Um, but one of the things that he says is why focus so much on your weaknesses like everyone else's. So why even waste your energy and time on it? Focus on the strengths. Right. Let everyone else worry about what your weaknesses are. You don't care what your weaknesses are. You care about what your strengths are. And you want to put energy into what your strengths are, because that is the secret to your success is honing in on those strengths and monetizing those strengths. Yeah, I, I would agree to a certain extent as far as, because uh, I think, unfortunately, I, I see people with a lot of stress. So say, for instance, I see, uh, oh, perfect, artists, right? A lot of artists are storytellers. They have great paintings. They're visual, they're creative. A lot of the weaknesses is self-promotion and a lot of weaknesses is uh, marketing and all that stuff. And sometimes, of course, if you get the right people involved in uh, gaps, you say, fill the gap. Oh, hire somebody to do this, do that. But sometimes their weaknesses are so weak that they can never get to that next level to even get to people that would help them out in their career. Like I know starving artists at 30 plus right now. Great artwork. Great this. Great that. But they're so weak in certain critical areas that they can't even reach the masses. So I think a lot of times and I'm a huge Gary Vee fan. I think 90 95 percent of what he says is accurate. But then the other five and I think. Is accurate, but some people don't get the context of how Gary Vee was first 10, 20 years was working at the wife factory doing all this other stuff that gives him this, this vantage point to see. And the other 5% is what it is kind of is was critical. And I think, but you hit on one, one thing I want to mention. And I think I'm going to title this podcast that and then give a, a banging tagline. Hello. Deep was accepting your reality. And I have a couple more questions, but why, why do you feel like it's so hard for us? to accept our reality and, and, and accept the reality doesn't mean the negative right because i think you hit on the head it doesn't mean that i'm accepting everything i'm bad at but accepting what you're good at like some people and even i and i get more practical right let's be and i'll be around it's about this branding piece this whole summer when i was on on tour with the minority troubles alive event uh, i let my hair grow out and i'm really i and it wasn't i don't know really why but I mean, I, I, I was cool. It was robbing. That's why, that's why I was feeling. I was feeling like I, I didn't really want to have a clean cut and whatnot. So I get to the end of the summer and I got a, a, a lady that I, I, I love her, man. She's so cool. She's helped me out a lot in my career. And she just said, gee, um, 
let me talk to you for a second. I said, all right, cool, cool. I see you're doing phenomenal things. Like you're elevating. You're speaking, doing this. But I need you to cut your hair. And I say, what you mean? You need me to cut my hair. Just, yo, <laughs> I see you on LinkedIn. I see you moving. But yo, that's not, the, I don't, you, you know, like that's not, that's not your look. Like right now, you're not in the place professionally to just look how you want. To be honest, like you, I'm not, I can't pitch you to boardrooms. I can't pitch you to corporate. I can't pitch you to certain people, certain places at this point in your career just yet because you, it just, that is not, that's not how it is. I need you to go back to wearing suits. I said, Hey, hey for the tour, I, I'm, I'm going to be casual. It's my show. I'm going to do it, but I still wear suits when I go on stage. So I, I get that. I respect that, but you can't be casual in your appearance and have a casual cut. Like you can't just do that. You can't be a double negative. So I had to check myself and I ended up cutting my hair and doing some other things because and it's crazy. I don't know. I don't think it was the reason why, but the day after I cut my hair, I like, I signed my biggest speaking deal to date. Like, I was like, I don't think it was just because of that. I don't think the, the person that signed me, uh, s- saw that I cut my hair, but there's certain things that I had to accept the reality that stuff sells better and it's better with some of my clients when I have the low cut, when I do look a certain type of way. It doesn't mean that I'm changing my delivery. I'm not changing my authenticity or anything of that nature, but I had to accept the realities way more marketable and sellable to people. Like there, let's be honest. Let's be real. There's been certain gigs in the back in the day. I probably got off just look. Oh, he has charisma. Nice looking guy. Let me bring him to my audience. Like seriously. That's, I mean, it is what it is, but certain times you don't accept that reality. You just want to be real for a rebel without a cause of sorts. People that say, I don't want to change. I don't want to change this. I don't want to change that. They're so unwilling to do certain things. And that's why they keep putting obstacles in front of themselves. And I did that a lot of times in my early career. There's certain things that I did not want to relinquish certain things that I kept doing that I knew it was wrong, but I said, nope, I want to do it this way. And obstacle after obstacle after obstacle until I just started to listen, listen. Listen, and I think that's why a lot of people don't have that that circle of people around that they can keep it real. So a question for you, how did you go about and what gave you the confidence? And I guess probably because you're from New York and you probably have a stronger, thicker skin than my people like me from the South. But to have people around <laughs> you, we're going to check you because I think a lot of us don't really have a legit council of sorts to be around us. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point. But really quickly to circle back on the artist that is an amazing artist, but doesn't do a lot of other things. Well, um, that's when you need to make a decision like, okay, I need to get people around me who do do those things. Well, that can help me so I can focus on what I do do well, right. Focus on my craft, focus on this. So that's when it becomes, you know, really, really critical to have people around you that can elevate you while you are creating your masterpiece and you are make, you are focusing on what you're good at. So just wanted to make that real quick point. That's why delegation and making sure that you surround yourself with people who are really good at the things that you're not so that they can help you grow as you focus on your craft. Mm -hmm. But your point of having to accept your reality, I think there comes a point in everyone's career where they have these moments where they want to operate a certain way, but they know in order to excel in a particular industry or environment, they need to quote unquote adapt. Mm. Right. They need to adapt. And I think it's a decision that we all have to make for ourselves and decide what really matters to me. What's most important to me before we make a decision on I need to dress this way or I need to look this way. Is it that important to you for you to have your hair grown out? Does that mean something to you that, you know, you potentially will miss out on opportunity because of your hairstyle? 
If it is, then stay true to you. Rock that hairstyle. Do you, boo. Because if you're good at what you do, the opportunities will come. It might take you longer. You might need to pivot your strategy and start targeting to a different audience who will be more receptive to that look and more welcoming and have the aptitude and the appetite to, to welcome that type of authenticity. And if so, then that's where you want to operate. But if not, then that's when you need to really seriously sit down and say, okay, what's important to me? What's my end goal? How long do I want to take to get there? And if you know by cutting your hair, it's going to take you two years versus five, then you might want to cut your hair. But if you're okay with it taking five, as long as you staying true to who you are and you're feeling comfortable in your skin, then do it for the five years. You know, my advice is whatever makes you most comfortable, whatever makes you operate at your best, if that's in a suit or if that's in some kicks, you do whatever you need to do to represent at 100. So if that means rocking your hair out and having your sneakers on, then do that. But if you find that when you put on a suit and when you cut your hair, you looking sharp, you looking at yourself in the mirror like, damn, I'm fine. Like, I'm killing it. And that brings an additional level of confidence and which allows your delivery to be that much better. Then you need to go that route and you need to do it that way. Yeah, nah, I think you hit on the head. I think you hit on the head. Uh, cause I think a lot of times we look at these guys online, like, uh, like one of my mentors at ET, ET got the, he got the fitted, he got the thing, but it took ET 20 plus years to kind of get to where he is now because he went that route. So I tell people, all the, and, and, and let's be more practical in the speaking space too. I didn't, I don't have an Ivy League background. I didn't have, I didn't have certain parameters before I started. So I had to start with elementary, the middle schools, the high schools. And it took me four years to really start getting my footing because I went that route. But I know a friend of mine that in a year's time, he did the NACA, the APCA. These are uh, associations, kind of like the um, association you went to where these are people in the industry already. And all you have to do is showcase your talent. Of course, it costs a little bit of bread to get into those things, but that's how now he's killing the college speaking circuit, but that's his route. But I think the biggest thing is critical is you have to be valid or have a vision on what your goal is because my goal, my the way my goal is set up, I needed to be in elementary schools, I need to go to experiences in churches and middle schools and high schools in order so when I get to where I wanted to go, I have those skill sets, I have those stories, I have those those moments where, man, I'm I'm presenting and the mic go out or I'm presenting, I don't have no stage or people are running around or they, I'm, I'm man, I've been in situations where the first whole row is people with special needs that are yelling, like it's, it's unfortunate, but it, it was real, so I had to adapt in that space and if I would just went right to the college rank, I could be making more money. But I never would have had those experiences dealing with unexpected uh, challenges, all this other stuff, working with people, et cetera. So I think that's huge. And um, one thing I definitely want to talk about before we get to the future round, um, and I don't, I have never talked about it, and I'm interested to see, hopefully, are y'all going to live stream any other conference, or is it going to be just you have to be there to attend? We're still deciding, but uh, be there because – this goes back to everything that I was alluding to earlier. You want to meet people. You want to engage with people in person. There's so much value to a handshake versus a note over the internet. You want to meet people in person. They remember you. They put a face. Um, you're engaging with them on a different level. And the type of experiences that you'll have at the event, the type of you know um, group activities you'll do, the type of things that you're here will really bring you so outside your shell that it's going to create this environment where people are going to connect with you on a real intimate level 
versus then what you will experience if you're not there in person. So the true value is being there in person. Um, but we are recording it. So at some point you might see it on our website. Um, and we're not sure if we're going to live stream it yet, but again, to get the full experience and for you to get what everything this conference has to offer, you should definitely be there in person, November 10th through the 11th in New Jersey, female collaborative, <laughs> go yeah. check it out. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And two questions before we enter uh, the future round, we just talk about kind of what you, where do you see yourself going in the future? Um, these two questions I really have attacked not I, I've, I've talked about one, but I haven't. Um, and I'm just going to couple. It's okay if I just couple these these questions into one, and you can just hit them how you see fit. Sure. All right. Cool. I've been doing that all anyways. I don't know why I was trying to ask. <laughs> 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 like I put like three or four questions into one. I think this is the way I go. Oh, uh, I didn't go to I didn't go to journalism school. Um. So, what is your advice? What would you say would be some advice for women dealing with um politics at work? Because of course. People want, they want to be authentic. They want to be their true selves. But unfortunately, I, and I'm not a, I can't say I'm a double minority because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minority a lot of times when I was in corporate, but I wasn't a, a woman either. So a double minority where you want to be authentic. You want to be yourself, but being a Latino or a black woman or a Chinese woman at a job, there's already so much kind of against it. Then dang, if you be yourself too, it's like, so how would you say, especially for those early in their career, can advocate for themselves? And then the immediate question that you can kind of hit on in the end or before is what are your advice for um, professional women in dating and dating? Because in society now where, of course, uh, a lot of women are the breadwinners, a lot of women make more than men in, in certain capacities. And it could be, and I know that's a big question. I, that's why I was like, yo, live stream that because I won't, unfortunately, I will, I will be in Dallas, Texas on November 11th. So I won't be able to attend. So I'm like, I would be interested to hear y'all perspectives on the whole dating space. Cause that's a, something that honestly in career and professional circles is not talked about enough, but it's hard to really date as entrepreneur and there's so many different things. So I know, I don't know where you want to take those two, but I just want to throw that bomb into your lap. Yeah. So <laughs> first, the female collaborative event is for women only. So fellas, sorry, <laughs> you need to sit this one out. But that doesn't mean you can't help. That doesn't mean that you can't share this with all the women that you care about, because the women that you care about, trailblazers in their own right, they need to be at this event. So please share this with them, with all the women that you care about. But this is only a female event this time around. Um, and I just want to point out, we're also looking for sponsors. So anyone who's running their side hustle and wants to help get their brand out there, this is a great opportunity to get your brand in front of a hundred, you know, affluent women who are all killing it from different backgrounds, cross industry, influencers, bloggers, etc. All that information is also on our website. So back to politics. So Politics is something you're going to experience regardless whether you're in corporate America or you're not. Mm -hmm. And it's just because how we operate as human beings. We have our own way of thinking. We have our own styles. So politics is naturally always going to play a part regardless of where you go, regardless of the industry that you're in, even if you're an entrepreneur. So you don't even have to be a corporate working for somebody else. As an entrepreneur, you're going to still deal with politics too. So know that you're never going to get away with politics get away from politics. I think what's helpful and what will allow you to kind of manage the frustrations that comes along with dealing with politics is being open to flex your style and self-evaluate, 
right? Because sometimes it's not always them. Sometimes it's you. And so you just need to make sure you're cognizant of what exactly is happening and really taking, um, a, a, a truthful lens on, on what is going down before you choose to respond. But what's also really helpful is making sure that you are putting yourselves in cultures that allow you to operate at your best, because that will allow you to deal with the politics in a much more, um, streamlined, efficient way, because you're in a culture that you already identify with. If you're operating in a culture where you feel like you stick out and on top of that, you're dealing with politics Mm -hmm. it's going to make it that much harder. And it's also going to make you even more frustrated to want to have to even deal with any of that stuff going on. And what do we do when we operate out of moments of frustration or moments of distress or moments of high pressure? We usually do things that we regret or that we look back on and saying, that's not really me. Why did I do that? So make sure you are aligning with cultures that make sense in terms of empowering you to do you, letting you have a voice, letting you operate at your best, And most importantly, letting you spread your wings so that you can make mistakes and learn from them. Because once you're in cultures that you can identify with, the politics is secondary and they become less annoying to deal with. Mm, Love that. Love that. Um, Dating. Oh, my God. This could be a whole nother podcast. Yeah. 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 So I guess give (laughs) give us a snippet because I I, I, matter of fact, yeah, give us a dang. You're right. That is a that's a that's a. Yeah, nah, I got to make that a big thing. Have some it's more a people. heavy one because I got so much to talk about that, you know, just on some, you know, I'm going to be really real with you guys. I've been single for the last five years. Five years. That's cinco for my Latinos. All right. <laughs> my non-Latinos. That's five. Okay. That is five. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot throughout those five years about myself, right? About the type of person that I want to be with. But also I learned a lot about, you know, how hard it is for someone who is, you know, building, has their blueprint and trying to execute on that blueprint is, is, is building, is grinding, is trying to be great, is destined for greatness, you know? So there's a lot of things <clears throat> to consider when you are that person and you're on that path, right? First, There's a lot of people, whether you're looking at them to date or not to date, they could be your peers that are going to be intimidated by that, right? Because it's energy. It's some, it's energy that they may not be in a position to receive because they're going through their own thing or because they're not as comfortable in their skin as you are. So naturally people, unfortunately, when they are operating in an unknown space and it's kind of, you know, ambiguous for them and and it's not black or, or white, it's gray which usually when you're operating toward greatness, that's where you're operating in the gray because you could go either way. You just can deal with anything and reinvent yourself and make it happen because you're an executor and a winner and a game changer. That's you guys, the ones listening. Um, People are naturally not going to be able to accept that because they're going through their own situations. So don't take it personally, but you're naturally going to intimidate people, male or female, while you're going on this path to greatness, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So in the dating scene, you're going to see that come up more often than not, especially for the ladies. Ladies, if you're a powerhouse, and this is no offense to the fellas, but if you're a powerhouse, because we are accelerating at such a quicker rate than men, and and the studies are out there, so it's not me saying that. It is what it is. (laughs) Except that reality. (laughs) It is what it is. We killing it, ladies. We killing the game. So keep going. Um, 
you know, because of that, I think it's, it's taking a little longer for a lot of men to accept that fact and also become comfortable with, they may be with a lady who is making more than them. They may be with a lady who is the breadwinner and they need to become comfortable with, with accepting something like that before they're able to actually be with somebody who is at that level. So a lot of it is really not you, regardless if you're male or female, sometimes it's just the other people who are, who are not ready for something like that. And that's okay because everyone is operates on their own timeline. Everyone has their own path that they're pursuing. So don't take it personally. You know, my high level advice is just continue to do you continue to surround yourself with people who make you feel like you can accomplish anything, who support you, who cheer you on, but who check you when you need to be checked. So they keep you grounded. They keep you humble. Um, and just continue down on your path because if you continue to exude positivity, the universe will reward you triple fold. That is the type of people that will be around you and stay around you that are meant to be around you. So continue to do you continue to spread love, continue to spread positivity, continue to change lives and create things that change communities, elevate communities, continue down that path because the right person will come to you when it's your time. Sometimes when we are on the path to greatness, you're not meant to be with nobody because it's a distraction and you need to focus on you. So everything happens for a reason. So don't feel like me. I've been single five years and trust me, it's not by choice. I'm out <laughs> here. I'm ready. I feel like I'm ready. But I also feel like it hasn't happened for me because I'm destined for something great right now. And being with someone may deter me or it may elevate me. I'm ready to accept it whichever way that it comes. But I need to focus on what's what's the legacy I want to leave behind and the legacy I want to leave behind has nothing to do with who I'm with or the kids that I have or the type of marriage that I have the legacy that I want to leave behind has to do with how I serve other people and how I help people become the best version of themselves both personally and professionally that's my legacy so as long as I focus on that everything else will fall into place when it's meant to mm. I love that, man. That's some good stuff. And that is a, that is a future, future, future wide edition of the podcast. So as we, as we get closer to the end, um, I would be remiss before we enter the culture change round. There is one question that I always ask all my guests to kind of normalize it. And it really had that come to Jesus moment. Um, is what would you say thus far has been, um, one of your, your biggest struggles or, or learning moments in life? And what was the one thing that allowed you to get out of it? And what did you learn? The one biggest one. Um, I would say the biggest one is taking a bet on myself, like taking risk on myself. Right. So putting all my chips in. And really betting on me because I can achieve anything, right? So really betting on on me and, and not just saying it, but actually doing it, which is me right now on my journey, right? My entrepreneurial journey and, and building my brand and really, um, you know, building those bricks, as I mentioned earlier. And that's a huge lesson because prior to that, right, I grew up in the corporate space, right? And I've been able to reinvent myself in the corporate space and have a great network. And if I wanted to, I could continue to operate in that space and I could continue to stay in corporate if I wanted to. I mean, that would be much easier, right? Because mm -hmm. entrepreneurial life is crazy. <laughs> it's hard. It's not easy. 
right? There's a lot of things that come along with that, right? Whether it benefits, the great compensation, like all that stuff I gave up to bet on me. And what allowed me to make that decision to bet on me was really learning that it's okay to, to try and fail. It's okay to try and maybe not have things work out the way that you thought they're going to work out. But the fact that you tried and the fact that you did it is a lot more than what a lot of people are willing to do for themselves, right? For themselves. This is something you're doing for yourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that was a huge lesson for me to learn, which I'm continuing to learn as I pursue this journey. Um, and it's the biggest lesson to date because it's the most scariest thing that I've ever had to do. It's the most bravest thing that I've ever done. And um, it will continue to allow me to grow in ways that I wouldn't have if I took the easier well path known. Mm. Yeah, nah, I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. So, um, as we jump into the rapid culture change round, where I ask a series of five rapid fire answers, uh, questions, you get five rapid fire answers. You ready to go? I think so. Let's do it. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you have never received? <laughs> it's supposed to be rapid, right? Um, <laughs> the best piece of advice. I have never received. Um, the grass is always greener on the other side. Hmm. Do you believe that? No, I don't believe that. <laughs> no, I don't believe that the grass is always greener on the other side. But I think there is something to finding out for yourself. Because that curiosity will never die. <laughs> and so sometimes you have to just learn for yourself. Like similar to the story that you mentioned earlier about the whole cutting your hair. And it was something you needed to experience on your own before you were able to fully accept it. Um, you just never know unless you experience it on your own. So sometimes you have to do that um, and learn that the grass is not always greener at the other side. Sometimes what you got going is, is really good and you need to appreciate what you have. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Add one habit, uh, waking up early and running like you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a habit that I would like to pick up. Um, a habit that I would like to get rid of. Um, So I operate well, operate the best when I'm under pressure. And sometimes that comes with pressures that I create for myself. So I usually wait until the last minute sometimes to complete things. And I usually produce my best as a result because I'm under pressure. And so it allows me to, to really hone in and focus and think critically. But I think there's something to... Um, to, to non-procrastination and what could come out of that. So that's something that I'm trying to figure out if that's necessarily the case or not. I mm, love that. Love that. Uh, what would you say is your biggest fear? Uh, <laughs> this might be a little bit too much, but to die drowning or burning. <laughs> oh, man. That's my biggest fear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave that there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Those are my biggest fears, yeah, man. Yeah, nah, that is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what, what did you? <laughs> what did you? What did your? What is your favorite book or movie, and why? Or movie. You don't have to be both. Just or. Uh, my favorite movie is Pretty Woman, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> my favorite movie is Pretty Woman because that movie shows a number of things, but what stuck out the most for me is that love conquers all, regardless of where you come from, what profession you're in, what mistakes you've made in your life. Love conquers all, and that is how we are going to progress as, as a community, as a culture, as a nation. And that movie really shows you that with love, anything is possible. And so that's why, one of the many reasons why that's one of my favorite movies. Mm. And the last question, the culture change round. If you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? First thing I would do is 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 reintroduce humility back into politics, because I think there is a lack of humility in politics. And as a result, people are just button heads way too often and they're forgetting the human element and, and what we're really all there for. So the first thing that I would do is figure out how to reintroduce humility back into politics. So that may mean that I'm going across the aisle and I'm shaking hands and I'm inviting them to dinner and I'm inviting their kids to play with my kids, really bringing that human element back into politics. Cause I think when we do that, we'll be able to collaborate and work a lot more efficiently than what you see today. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, you're fun. Um, right. As we uh, as we conclude this podcast, I always I call everybody on the show that I, that I interview and that everybody that listening to this podcast, culture change agent. So this last question, which is outside of the, the rapid fire round, if you could change one thing about society, uh, most specifically, uh, it would be the Hispanic American culture. What would it be and why? You broke up a little bit. What's the question? If you could change one thing about society, most specifically the Hispanic culture, what would it be and why? Um, one thing that I would like to change, I think that, and this is you know, one of the reasons why the Female Collaborative was born, there's too much competition, especially amongst Latina women. I, I just see it too often and it really saddens me because you know we are brought up from hustlers, right? Nine times out of the 10, like our families came here with nothing and build dynasties and have managed to 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 build legacies for themselves. And we are just competing with one another for the most minuscule things. And, and as a result, we are just holding ourselves back. There's so much more that we can accomplish if we collaborate and if we really just stop competing with one another, whether it's men, whether it has to do with profession, whether it's how we look, um, we just need to stop. So that is definitely one thing that I would change um, within the culture. And then one more thing I want to add to that. I think we're growing out of it. And as we continue to move forward and, and this generation has more influence on the way that we grow up, um, but it still exists. There is this thing called machismo, 
within the Latino community about how men feel like women are meant to do this and men are meant to do that. And it's, it's usually a result of the way they were raised by their moms because their moms come up, come from a different culture than this new age, progressive trailblazer, female phenomenon we have going on. Um, and so that is also something I would like to change is just that mindset within the Latino community about what the quote unquote roles of each gender should be. Hmm. I love that, man. I love that. Thank you for tying out on that. So as we close, could you share with our audience, man, where we can find more information about you, the collective, and also, too, what services you may offer for those that may be interested? Okay, great. So you can find me on social media at I, the letter A, M, Victoria, Jen, J-E-N-N. That's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Again, that's I. A M Victoria J E N N I am Victoria Jen. Um, you can also find my company, which is VJR Enterprises, across social media at just at VJR Enterprises. The female collaborative is the female collaborative.com. Our our event is next month, so you need to hop on that ASAP. We're almost sold out. Um, so the female collaborative.com and my services. So I'm a career and brand strategist, so I help people. I basically help the ambitious manage their careers. So my type of client, the people that I work with are people who, who want to make it people who want to be amazing people who are on that path. And I coach those people. Um, so if you're ambitious, I'm your gal, right? So I do career management for the ambitious. I also do brand management as well for the ambitious, both on and off social media, or if they're looking to build their brand just in the online space, period. Um, I also consult organizations on how to attract, develop, and engage top talent. So I put together strategies for them in order to do that. I also work with brands on how to put together uh, compelling content so that they're able to reach their consumers. So I help them a lot with their social media presence as well. Um, so that is just some of what's in my portfolio, but you can check me out on social media to learn a lot more. Mm, thank you. Thank you for that. So audience, audience, make sure you go check out everything on social media, blow her up, let her know, give her feedback on the interview. And we've had such a blessed time. So from my noted trailblazer audience, um, and me myself, man, first, I just want to say thank you for giving us well over an hour to get time. I appreciate that. Vicky V. Thank you so much, Greg. I appreciate the opportunity. And just one more thing for those on LinkedIn, who I hope everyone who is listening is on LinkedIn. You can find me there at Victoria Jen Rodriguez. So uh, catch me out over there. Again, Greg, thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate you, my brother. No doubt, no doubt. So my Notre Trouble as a Nation, you already know what to do. Two things, two things only. One, make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you have an iTunes. If not, just subscribe, tell a friend, tell a friend, to tell a friend. And two, change the freaking culture. Good night.